Welcome to another edition of Trifecta Soccer Talk. I'm your host, Tanner Rebello. Today we're going to be talking about two different subjects. The United States men's national team playing Mexico on Thursday night, and the New England Revolution 2 opening up their MLS Next Pro season on Sunday at New York City FC 2. So first we're going to jump into Revolution 2. Revs 2 is moving from USL League 1 to MLS Next Pro. MLS Next Pro was a league set up by Major League Soccer to build a bridge from their academies to their first teams. So this ensures that you know every team within Major League Soccer is going to have a path from their academy so they can either get academy players time against professional players or sign those players who aren't necessarily ready for the first team to an MLS Next Pro contract and then work them through the system. It also allows teams who are drafting MLS Super Draft picks or taking a shot on a player that may not be as proven or sure of them being Major League Soccer ready to sign those players to an MLS Next Pro contract, or even if they're on a first-team contract, to get them valuable playing time. And obviously, since we have seen Revs 2 a couple years ago, the Revolution have already capitalized on this ability to either bring a player from the academy through the second team to the first team, or bringing a player from without the organization to within, and then promoting them to the first team. Or simply just getting MLS Super Draft picks and other players valuable minutes, whether it be preparing them for their career, like an Edward Kizza who was drafted last year in the first round by the Revs and played with Revs too, or a player like um, you know you saw players like Christian Mafla or Earl Edward Jr. or Brad Knight and get time with Revs too last year just to get playing time and uh, some of them working back from injuries. So the Revs have already tested this out. They've had some success. If you look at some of their signings, you have Masiel, John Bell, Ryan Spaulding, and Noel Buck, all that have been signed to the first team after starting off their career with the second team. In the case of Noel Buck, he was a homegrown signing off of the second team after coming out of the academy at 16 years old. So there's already a proven track record there for the revolution. What MLS Next Pro does, it sort of connects everything more together. MLS, with the sheer amount of franchises, is able to really geographically position their divisions within MLS Next so it makes travel a little bit easier. They can also make it that the second team can travel with the first team to a market so it can consolidate a little bit of traffic expenses, traveling expenses as well. So there's a lot of different things like that and it's also more connected to the MLS structure so there's going to be better things that comes with that rather than US US League 1 which was more professional players, MLS Next probably more younger players, academy players. So it's a little bit different from um, a roster composition perspective. But in terms of how many players you can have, how many academy players you can have in the field at one time, how many pro contracts, everything like that is pretty much the same. The biggest competitive difference between MLS Next Pro and USL League One is the fact that Major League Soccer is actually introducing a penalty shootout to finish games. Which is different. This is an interesting concept done by Major League Soccer here with this league. If a match ends in regulation with a draw, it goes to a shootout. Both teams get a point, which is actually similar to what the National Hockey League has done when their overtime system. So both teams will get a point regardless of the outcome of the shootout. But if you win the shootout, you get an additional point on top of that. So if you have a draw in the game, win the shootout, you get two points. So you're not getting the full three, but you're still getting that extra point. It's a, it's a little interesting to me. Um, obviously, Major League Soccer used to have shootouts way back when. Um, 
but you know the rest of the game doesn't do that. The rest of football doesn't do that. Uh, so they got rid of it for the better, I think. But this so starts going to see Major League Soccer, you know, try this out here, and maybe is there an opportunity to sort of use it as a proving ground, MLS Next Pro, and test things out, see if they work, get some real live data on it, and then potentially implement these policies and these rules on the Major League Soccer level. We've seen Major League Baseball do that with pitch clocks and things like that in their minor league system. So what MLS Next Pro also allows Major Soccer to do is to sort of test these things out, test out new strategies, and see if it works or not, and to get some real-life data on it rather than just sitting in a room and theorizing. They're actually going to get real-life data off of these matches. Another thing I thought was interesting, we were talking with um, Revolution 2 head coach Clint P.A. previewing the season and the match against NYCFC 2, and the notion of the penalty shoot I was brought up, and he made some pretty good points. So we're going to hear from Clint P.A. on uh, what he and how, he, how he's approaching the shootouts. Yeah, um, I think the change is, you know, it's it's a little different. Uh, I think it will be exciting for viewers, and I think as a coach, uh, the beauty, I think, in it is at least you get your, your point still if you lose it, so you still get something from it. Um, for the players, it would just add a little bit extra element of uh, pressure that will be interesting to see how, how they deal with it. Um, so... I don't really have an issue with it. Uh, we'll see how it plays out throughout the course of the season and kind of we'll be able to make a better judgment as t- time moves on. Yeah, and I think the point that he brought up that was interesting to me was the pressure, the added pressure it's going to add to players who are going to have to step up and stay and score penalty late in these games. It's going to add a little bit of pressure, and I think for some of these players, getting that pressure in this moment is a good thing. You know, it'll make them better and stronger and see what they have to work with when they're actually in Major League Soccer or in a higher league than that or in a big situation in their future career. And at least they have, you know, something to go back on and say, I was under this pressure situation. Uh, And, you know, there's some tournaments that you you need penalty shootouts, right? The Revolution first teams had penalty shootouts in CONCAC Champions League. It happened NYCFC in the playoffs last year. So penalties are a part of soccer, especially in big moments, big tournaments. So to get these players that experience of being under pressure, and being able to you know fake out the goalkeeper, put a quality shot, have commitment, have confidence in the in their ability to put it in the back of the net, even for a goalkeeper too to get that experience to to work on penalty shootouts and making saves and doing the homework you have to do to see which side of player favors. I think it's really really important actually, and I think it could be a big benefit for these players even if they don't end up introducing this rule to Major League Soccer years down the road. I think there's benefit to it just beyond how it finishes the game, and I think it adds genuine you know consumer interest i think fans are going to like the way this ends i think it might be a novelty that wears off but ultimately we'll see what happens revs do have been working on penalties in training um damien rivera was asked about uh, penalties and this is what he had to say yeah um recently after practice we've been everybody on the team has been practicing pens um quite a lot i would say um i'll say at least two times out of the week we've been all taking pens after training so um, it's going to be different, but I think, you know, we'll be ready for that challenge. In 2022, the Revolution will actually have fans in the stands for Revs 2 home matches the first two years due to COVID protocols. They didn't actually have fans in the stands. So they'll have fans in the stands starting with the April 3rd home match. They'll start to have fans in the stands. So we're going to hear from head coach Clint PA, midfielder Noah Buck, and midfielder Damian Rivera on their thoughts of having fans in the stands and how it helps them. Yeah, I think terrific for our guys. Um, it's always exciting when you when you walk into a stadium and there's there's people there uh, to cheer for you and to, to root you on and give you that extra lift. 
um, from the get-go. So the ability to play in front of fans will be, uh, I think, also adds to the pressure that players have to deal with if they want to make it to the next level. Um, and I think it will be a wonderful opportunity. It's going to be great. Playing in front of fans is just, just really fun. And um, I think it's really important to the team uh, to you know get that motivation to really try to win the game. And I think it's going to be vital for the uh, to have fans. Yeah, no, I think it's really important for us having fans. You know, um, I think it will motivate us in a way um, to have fans in the stadium now. Um, and I think it will push us throughout the year. We're starting to see players like Noel Buck and Damian Rivera and Justin Rennicks and a whole host of these players that are but playing time with the first team in terms of training and then also training with the second team. So we're going to hear from Noel Buck on how hard it is to really make that just that adjustment mentally to go from a first team practice to a second team practice. You know, sometimes it's a bit difficult, you know, because it's just different preparation from a first team and a second team. But uh, as I said before, you know, it's coming in every day and doing the work, uh, no matter what team you're on. And um, although it's been difficult, you know, I'm still trying to improve and um, coming in every day to work hard. On Thursday night at 10 p.m., the United States men's national team takes on Mexico. This is the final window for the United States in its effort to qualify for the 2022 FIFA World Cup that will take place in Qatar. This match against Mexico is in the Azteca at 10 o'clock at altitude with 40,000 fans in attendance. This is a venue they've never won before in a World Cup qualifier. In fact, in this window, the United States plays on the road in Costa Rica and in Mexico, both venues they have never won on the road and qualifying. So it's certainly going to be a difficult road for the men's national team. They only need five points to automatically qualify. There's a window, there's a chance they could actually do it against Mexico on Thursday night. The second the matches start, the math changes. But as we talk right now, the United States is in second place in the table. With three matches to go, it looks like Canada is going to probably get the first spot. They could fall out of it, but at this point, Canada is pretty much the only team that's locked up a spot in qualifying. I think if Canada goes pointless in these three matches and if other teams maximize their potential, Canada would still be in that fourth spot, which would be an intercontinental playoff for a World Cup spot. So if you're the United States, you're looking to get in that top three where you automatically qualify. But there is, a, you know, if you fall into fourth, at least your hopes are still alive. There's been a lot of debate in regards to how the United States should approach this window. Because, yes, the match in Mexico is very important, but they've never won at Azteca. They've never won there in a World Cup qualifier. There's a lot of bad mojo about it. Um, you know, and they're going to come home for the one home match in the set. It's going to be in Orlando against Panama. And that match could very well determine the United States' ability to qualify and get that automatic qualification for the World Cup. So the, the idea of playing an A-team or B-team versus Mexico, or vice versa, and saving your best team, theoretically, for the Panama game, has come up in conversation. It's been talked about in podcasts, talked about on Twitter, talked about pretty much everywhere. And it's also been talked about in the United States men's national team coaching room. And we're going to hear from U.S. Na men's national team head coach Greg Berhalter on the idea of potentially going with an A-team or B-team against Mexico and how it plays up against Panama, and how that conversation is actually a good one to have. We, when, you know, I don't know what 
something I was reading or listening to before camp. You know, when I'm in camp, I, I shut off all all outside media. But in, in before it, I I, um, I heard that argument. You know, we should play a B team and. And what I did is I took it to the staff and we debated it. We looked at all sides of it. We said, hey, does this, does this, does this have merit? And, um, you know, I think it was an important exercise to do for us to, to, to be able to do that. And, um, you know, we came out with our answer and you'll see tomorrow. But, um, you know, it, it's certainly there's no harm in looking at both sides of this thing. And we, we know that the Panama game will be an important game. But we also know that Mexico will be an important game. We also know Costa Rica has the potential to be an important game. So our mindset is one game at a time. You know, when you're talking about the United States men's house team, they're in a solid position right now. They have a lot of really good young players, and they are banged up a bit. They're not going to have the ability to play Matt Turner, Weston McKinney, Brennan Aronson, Sergino Dest. Those are some pretty big names. But they're not going to have them because these players are injured, unfortunately, and you're never really going to have a full assortment of every player that's in your player pool healthy for a World Cup window. That's just unrealistic given the sheer size of the pool. There's always going to be injuries. And unfortunately, they're dealing with some right now. But there's a lot of fear beyond that. Fear of failing to qualify like the United States did in the last cycle. They had a, they were in a position in that last cycle to qualify for the World Cup, and they come up they came up just short. And, you know, when you talk to the team... <clears throat> players on the team you know they're they're not really talking about that fair they're not feeling that fair but they, they certainly understand how big a win at the azteca would be so we're gonna hear from winger paul Ariola on the team not feeling fear now we're gonna hear from chelsea midfielder christian pulisic on what it would mean to win tomorrow night at the azteca yeah i think look for us it's the fear is is you know is is not sense within the group right we're 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 a group that's very confident in, in ourselves and our own ability um and and the way that that everything that is the national team right now um you know we feel very confident that that we will qualify but for us it's it's not even just about qualifying right it, it's about winning games uh changing the way people see the u.s um and at the same time i think you know it's a it's a this game coming up uh, against Mexico is a great opportunity for us to go out there uh, and and show that that we're we're continuously growing um, collectively and, and and getting better as a nation. Um, and yeah, I, I you know I don't I don't I don't sense any fear within within the group and and you know hopefully we have all learned from you know in this instance my experience of being a part of that team um, and for others I think you know they can learn they've learned from. Um, you know, the past that, that we need to be better. Of course, it would mean everything. Uh, we know it's not going to be easy. Um, of course, uh, we've, you know, got the better of them in, in the last couple of uh, games, but that means nothing coming into coming into tomorrow's game. So um, we're going to need a battle. We're going to need another top performance and continuing to, to do the things that we have been doing in the past games against them. And uh, we're going to need a... Uh, an amazing performance to win the game tomorrow. This match against Mexico, it, it means a lot. It means a lot to the team. It means a lot to the players. It means a lot to the fans, the media. This is, you know, one of the biggest matches in the last five years for U.S. soccer, uh, especially since that last World Cup qualifying window where they failed to qualify. They've never won in Mexico. And, and the reality is in the past couple 
of meetings between the two sides outside of qualifying and even in qualifying where the United States beat Mexico Dos Zero in Cincinnati. The U.S. national team has gotten the better of this Mexican side. This is a Mexican side that is relying heavily on older players. They don't seem to want to really invest in the future of their federation when it comes to players and giving young players a chance where the United States men's national team has a whole host of young players. And if you look up, up and down the rosters, a lot of young players, a lot of young players who are playing at the highest level of soccer on this planet. So it feels like from the outside, you have the United States going towards the future in a positive manner. At the same time, Mexico seems to be sliding back. Now that can change, but at least for this qualifying window, that's how it feels. So if there was any time where the United States men's national team could theoretically win an Azteca in a World Cup qualifying window, it could be this one. It could be this chance, and that's how big this game is. If the United States is able to accomplish that and potentially get that much closer to qualification, it would send a message, not just to CONCACAF, but to the world, that the United States is taking that next step forward as a real player in this sport. Not only are you seeing American players play for Chelsea, Juventus, Barcelona, and other you know, world-renowned clubs. But you're seeing now American players in Major League Soccer, or even non-American players, get sold to Europe for a considerable fee. Players like Ricardo Pepe went for $20 million from FC Dallas to go to Augsburg. Or Tejan Buchanan for the Revolution. Canadian player getting sold to Europe. So you're starting to see really the momentum of not only... U.S. national team, but Major League Soccer to move forward. But the reality is the United States Major National Team to get that next up has to qualify for the World Cup. It looks like they're going to do that. But to be able to beat Mexico, and to be able to say you're on the up and up and you're, you're coming would be huge. I think one surprising thing has been the really the emergence of Canada. Um, Canada has been great in this World Cup qualifying. Really young player, really good young players. Players like Tajan Buchanan, as previously mentioned, or Alphonse Davies, who's coming back from injury. Really talented players in Canada, too. So you know, I think you're really seeing a changing of the guard where, who knows, the next couple of years it could be all U.S. and Canada when it comes to CONCACAF. So it, it's a big moment on Thursday night for the United States. And we're going to hear from U.S. men's national team head coach Greg Berhalter on what this moment means to him and his coaching staff. Yeah, it's a great question, Charles. And one thing I told the staff um, in our in our meeting uh, as we started camp was, you know, this is probably the biggest the biggest week of our lives as as professional coaches, and that's just honest. You know, you know, I've coached in Columbus and I coached an MLS final and stuff like this, but this is bigger than that. And um, and what I reassured the group is, we've all coached in three games before. We've been through qualifying already. We've coached a lot of games before, and we have a process, and just stick to the process. And I think that's what's making it easy both for the staff and the group, is we just stick to the way we work. Um, you know, it's been successful so far, and that's what we continue to do. And I think the second thing is just staying in the moment. And instead of getting ahead of ourselves, it's just being present in the moment, paying attention in the moment, and, um, and going from there. 
And I think there was a lot of honesty there from Greg Berhalter. Talking with him prior to this match the day before. You know, really honest. Um, obviously, not going to say what his lineup's going to be, but in- incredibly honest and forthright in terms of the reality, right? The reality that it's going to be very difficult to win at Azteca, but this three match window really is not just going to define himself and his coaching staff, but really U.S. soccer. You know, it's going to be a definite, it's really going to define the next couple of years and how they go. And the fact that the United States in Mexico and Canada hosts the World Cup of 2026. This is really that that intermediary step where you can show the rest of the world you're a real player in this space. You've qualified for a World Cup. You're going to be in the World Cup. And then really build to potentially competing for a World Cup and winning it in 2026. Obviously, if you qualify this year, you want to do the best you can. You still want to try to win it. But in reality, this is that next step for the United States just to get back to the World Cup. And it all starts with Mexico tomorrow night. Game's going to be on Paramount Plus, CBS Sports Network. Uh, and we'll see if they have an A team or B team for the United States men's national team. But either way, this is going to be a big boy match. This is this is going to be critical. Um, you know, and I, when I was wrapping my head around it, in terms of A team versus B team, personally, what I would do, it's a tough one. But I think if you go with your B team, you're sort of sending a message to your roster that, yeah, we're not trying to win this one. It's the Azteca to World Cup qualifier. We're not trying to win it. That's what the message I believe it would send to the team. Now, you can spin it however way you want if you're the coach, and you could spin it a certain way where it doesn't come across like that. But that's the way I would perceive it. So that's why I think the United States goes out and they try to get three points, and they worry about the Panama game after this game. Because this game against Mexico just means so much to the United States. And just to be able to say we beat Mexico in a World Cup qualifier at the Azteca. And to be the first team to be able to do that, first coach to be able to do that, that means a lot. So I think they're going to go out and they're going to try to get this win and try to get three points. And if they're able to do that, it really takes the pressure off of the game in Panama and especially that game in Costa Rica. Because if the United States is not qualified prior to that Costa Rica game, watch out. Because that could be very, very bad. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Tanner Bell. I'll have a live blog for the U.S. v. Mexico game. I'll have a recap of the game the next day on Traffic the Sports Talk. And then I will have full coverage of Revs 2 for Sunday's game against New York City FC 2, as well as all the qualifiers for the World Cup for the U.S. men's national team and any other news that comes across. Obviously, the Revolution first team is off until... April 2nd, when they're going to come home and play the New York Red Bulls in Major League Soccer play. So I'll love your coverage here. Make sure to read TriFactTheNetworkSports.com. Thank you for watching, and enjoy the games.